Welcome to the Redeeming Roots podcast, hosted by me, Megan Barrett. One thing I've learned in my own life and from the women I've coached is that when things aren't going the way you want, there's a reason. The truth that most people don't know is that your unconscious beliefs are hiding beneath every decision in your life and are directly responsible for creating your results. Here on the podcast and inside my coaching programs, we dig deep to get to the root of what's happening, not only to heal the past, but to rewrite the script. So whether you want to grow your own business, become a more patient mom, or just heal your past wounds and live into the real you, I'm here to guide you towards a life that's rooted in love, truth, and authenticity, where you are able to fully trust and lean into your own intuition. Thanks for being here. Let's dig into today's episode. Welcome everyone to the Redeeming Roots podcast. Today we have a special guest. We have Carly here with us. Um, And I just wanted to give a little bit of kind of an introduction to the podcast. If you're new with us, if you're here just to listen to Carly, um, what we do on this podcast is we talk about what's going on underneath kind of like the day-to-day problems in your life. So if something's not going how you want, there's always an underlying reason, a root cause. And we're here to talk to Carly today about her experience um, with a whole bunch of different things. But One thing we're going to talk about is her experience with orthorexia. Hopefully I said that right. Um, So Carly, her bio here is um, she is, well, first of all, she's a friend of mine, but she combines her functional nutrition expertise with subconscious reprogramming, and she gives her coaching clients rapid and massive results. She supports her clients, mind, body, and soul as they level up in their health and life. So quick little backstory of my relationship with Carly. I met Carly back in October of 2022. So almost a whole year ago, which it feels like a lot longer than that. But um, we met at a training, a week-long training where we were both getting certified in NLP and quantum time technique and hypnosis. So a bunch of that, that subconscious reprogramming work, we both are certified in and we were getting certified together. And so we've we've done this training together. So we've kind of coached each other as the trainings work, you pair up with people and do the different exercises with everyone in order to be certified, you have to do the exercise as a, like as a client. And then you also have to have like do them with someone else as the client. So we've been able to work together in that way. We are friends. We have an active text messaging thread that's gone. I mean, probably most days there's something going through our group chat that we have. Um, And she's also helped me with my own health journey through functional lab testing and also loves, I mean, she's just so good at pointing out my mindset issues around my health. (laughs) She's awesome. So um, we all have mindset stuff we need other people to call us out on. And Carly is one of those people for me. So today we're going to talk about trauma, um, orthorexia, Carly's experience using the tools that we're both certified in to identify and move through these issues. Some of the questions that I'm going to ask, I don't even know the answers to yet. So I'm really excited to to hear. (laughs) Um, And some of them I do as, as we've talked. So just a quick disclaimer, neither of us are doctors or psychologists. We're not trying to like scientifically prove anything today. We're talking about Carly's experience with orthorexia, um, how trauma has or hasn't played a part in her experience and how she's actively working through the layers and healing. And and now she's helping other people do the same. So it's just really, really cool. So 
Carly, give us a little bit of backstory. So when I met you in October, you were a teacher. You were working on a certification for your FDN, I guess your FDN certification, and a lot has changed since then. So can you give us a little bit of backstory though before that? So before you became an FDN, what were you doing? What did your life look like a few years ago? I know you said you were working with another health coach or an FDN on your own health, but kind of like set the stage for us before, like before pre, pre Megan, pre, before you knew Megan, <laughs> what was going on? <laughs> um, okay. So I, um, if we zoom out, I'm going to go zoom out to like around college time. I was like, just really noticing that my personality was sort of shifting. And um, I was like, super easy to cry, like super, I didn't know what it was at the time, but anxious. I actually had like, I didn't know I was experiencing anxiety. I just knew it like I couldn't breathe a certain way. And um, I couldn't concentrate on things and stuff. So and I'm zooming out to that because at that time I got diagnosed with like depression, ADHD and anxiety all with it. Oh, and um, CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, all within about like a three to four year window. And so I spent a lot of time on different medications and I check in and out with doctors. And that was just my life. Like I, I was moving through life and I was like, didn't really think much of it. Like you take a medication, you, you go on with your day. And all of a sudden, um, I don't know what happened, but within like the last three years, so maybe like 15 years later, um, I just had this like, something was clicking, I was starting to like, a fog was lifting and I was wanting some changes in my life. So I ended up after working at the same school for nine years and sort of like outgrowing it, um, switching to a different school after like knowing that I needed to switch for a while. Some, I don't, I honestly don't know what it was. It was just like, oh, oh I'm going to rewrite my resume and I'm going to apply to this job. It was just like something just kind of like lifted and that sort of got the ball, ball, <laughs> ball rolling. And so, um, yeah, so then within the last two years, um, I, with the, my previous coach, I have been in like a workout fitness group with her and I knew that she was doing functional health stuff and something just caught my eye. She was running like a free group program and I decided to join it. So like, honestly, like up until that point, I'd say within like the last three years, I didn't really notice that something was off with me because I'd kind of gotten used to just like feeling a little bit numbed out. Um, didn't really notice as something like I had friends, I was sort of being social, but like, it took a lot of energy to be social. And I even remember my previous coach, like going down a checklist with me at one point when I started working with her about a year and a half ago. And one of the questions had something to do with like, friends. And I was like, I have a lot of friends, like, I just like, life seemed fine. But then all of a sudden, I just realized like, I'm kind of flat. And I don't have the motivation or the creativity that I used to have. So I think something might be off. And um came off of antidepressants. And that was about a year before working with the health coach came off of my antidepressants. Um, at first, like I felt way better off of them. But then I came back to feeling flat again. And so it really caught my attention when she was saying how um, like, functional, like I never considered that my physical health could is was related with my mental health. And so that's when I started working with a functional nutritionist. Okay, so like life okay. felt like fine, but kind of just felt flat. <laughs> Yeah. So you said you were in kind of a fitness group with someone. So have you always kind of been interested in health and fitness and wellness? Have you always been in that space or when did that start no. for you? 
Um, I started with working out about maybe seven or eight years ago on and off. Um, all of a sudden, at some point, I kind of started gaining weight. I was always like pretty um, on the smaller side, but like more on the average to smaller side. And then um, I just like out of nowhere started kind of gaining weight. Like when I backwards track it, I understand why now. I don't know if I should go into all that. But um, and so and I had also switched medications at that point. So my mind was like, oh, this is a side effect of the medication switching. Mm-hmm. And so that got me into like the health and fitness space a little bit more. Um, and then that's kind of like was probably the start of it. Yeah. Okay. So yes, now you have your FDN certification. You are a coach, you have the subconscious reprogramming and you have a really cool way of combining the two. And so you just kind of alluded to now, now you're understanding a little more of what was going on, which I think is so cool. And probably I'm, I'm imagining empowering for you to be able to just kind of look back on your life and have some answers. I like to have answers to things. I like to be able to explain like to my brain, like, Oh, Oh, that's why that happened. Okay. Um, just to kind of make sense of it. So, um, yeah, so let's see. So you were getting into health and wellness. You said several years ago, um, you saw a functional medicine person saying they had a free group. And around that time you were saying that you were kind of putting the pieces together about mental health and physical health, or kind of, was that all kind of happening around the same time? Yeah. So the reason, so, um, one thing that I really noticed is that when I work out, like I just, the way I can explain it is my brain feels good. Like it feels so good for my brain, even if during the workout, it's like physically a little bit challenging or I, it just, my brain just gets really clear. Uh, So I've noticed like a lot of people need to kind of slow down for their brains to feel clear. I find that a lot of times like more activating activities help my brain to slow down, um, which I've learned is is highly connected to the ADHD um, stuff that, that I um, that I have. <laughs> and, um, and uh, sorry, what was the question? Just when was that like mental, physical health? Like when were you making that connection? So you, you kind of just alluded to like your brain was feeling so much clearer when you were exercising. Were there other things that were kind of making you be like, Oh, maybe Um, that's connected to this. Yeah. At some point I started to really notice that I was reacting to what I thought was sugar, which it was, Mm -hmm. it turned out it was sugar, (laughs) but I don't know why I started like, I don't, again, it's like one of those, like, I don't know what happened. It's, I mean, you know, human design, so other people won't understand this, but I'm like a splenic projector, which means that I kind of just get like intuitive hits. And like, I don't always know, like, necessarily the dots that connected but all of a sudden I was just like I'm like sugar is really affecting me and I've been reading a little bit about diet and ADHD and managing it a little bit more through um diet alone and um since I had come off of like the antidepressant and I was just starting to like really want to not have to rely on a medical professional to well that's always that's another thing that I noticed has been a pattern for me but I was like oh I like mm-hmm it just felt like a burden to have to keep calling to get a prescription for all these things. And I was like, well, maybe I can manage it without all these, without the medications. And then I was like trying to get some of my friends to do a sugar-free detox thing. And then all of a sudden she popped up and that was what the free week program was, was basically like how to manage and swap out sugar and types of sugars and all that type of stuff. And that like 
really helped. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's super cool. And I love that timing. It's just <laughs> meant to be so great. Um, okay. So I want to introduce the term orthorexia. I know I mentioned it in the introduction, but um, orthorexia, I did, you know, a quick Google search. You are the health (laughs) person in this conversation, but um, Google was saying orthorexia is an unhealthy focus on eating in a healthy way. Kind of just a simple definition there. Um, Did you know what orthorexia was? Like, when did you first hear about it? Um, How did you figure out that you we're dealing with it? Um, I had not heard about it until after I had already developed it. And so I, the timing of these events are a little bit blurry because I was um, like in a heightened traumatic state at the time. So I'm pretty sure that the order of events went um, at some point behaviors that were like protecting me because I was getting a lot of stomach aches and triggers from eating certain foods that that was building on very slowly. And then, um, then it just kind of started snowballing. Like everything I ate was, was giving me a stomach ache and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And then, um, I must've brought it up with my practitioner at the time. And I'm like, the way I remember it is that she did a story mentioning something about orthorexia. And I was like, what is that? And I Googled it and I was like, oh, beep. <laughs> I have this. Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I have this. And like only a part of me was on board for believing that I had this. And a, a lot of me was in denial because at that point I was seeing so much like rapid change and what I thought was in a positive direction that and then it was one of those of like no this isn't me no this is me or no one's going to believe me that this is something i'm struggling with and i had a very hard time um with admitting that this is going on so yeah okay okay so you said you're gonna kind of rewind again so i'm not i'm not leaping too far here but like you did like a sugar like a no sugar thing and i want to just be very clear i'm not against people doing no sugar things. So it's not no sugar. It wasn't no sugar at all. It was, that was literally one of the points of the program was to emphasize that like there's certain sugars that are important to your body. And it's more about, um, it was not like cut out all sugar. It was a lot of, was it like a no refined sugar? Yeah. It was like healthy sugars versus unhealthy sugars. I might be interjecting new, new information that I have since then, but yeah, along the lines of how to incorporate sugar and have a healthy relationship with it. Yeah. I think that's really helpful too. When I say no sugar in my mind, it's like, it just means healthy sugar, but I know that some people may be listening and they're like, Oh no sugar. Okay. I can't Mm -hmm. have fruit. And that's not what we're talking about. I think that might've even been one of the questions I asked. Like, I don't even remember, but I'm I'm knowing Mm -hmm. back then I was probably like, Oh, so I, I I can't have fruit. Right. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So you kind of in the way I'm hearing your story, that maybe was the first time you were eliminating food, connecting kind of a specific food, um, to like a physical symptom. And then from there, you, you, you were saying you were kept like kind of connecting mm-hmm. dots of like, Oh, that food, maybe I shouldn't eat that food. And then that food, maybe I shouldn't eat that food. Is that kind of in my yeah, understanding? So right? Actually, if you back up to probably around high school, I've always sort of had a closeted, um, term, like term, I don't know the word, but I've always had sort of like a hard relationship with food and body image, but I kind of suffered that in silence. 
because mm-hmm. I had a lot of shame around it and a lot of like, in my mind, it wasn't extreme enough that it was worthy of attention. And then again, I kind of keep going back to like, well, no one will believe me if I say it anyway, or like, they'll think I'm making it up. But that was, that's been a recurring thought process as well. Um, so it's kind of gone like, it's never, there was a time in college where it was pretty bad, um, where like I wasn't eating at all, but it never lasted uh, a soup. Like, I think the longest it went and to somebody who hasn't had these tendencies, it might sound like a long time, but in my mind, it wasn't long enough for it to be a thing. But I went almost like four to six weeks without eating at all at one point. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. um, and then that kind of like started to dissipate. Um, I started, I joined the sorority. I was, I was very busy with that. And then I was diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety and put on medications that were like really um, helping me to like not have much of an appetite. I was put on way too high of a dose of Adderall. um, And it just like didn't become something I had to really worry about as much. And then it translated into probably other behaviors that kind of like swooped in as the coping mechanism instead. So one thing that I'm like really, really understanding now is that eating disorders and disordered eating are intertwined with each other and that you can heal the behaviors or you can um, adapt and transform. And what really makes an eating disorder an eating disorder is the thoughts that pop up into the, in your brain. So on the outside, I could be going out to eat, but on the inside, I was so focused on what I was eating or what I looked like or what was going on that it was uh, interfering with normal activity that would come and go a lot um, throughout the years. It definitely went away for a while, like years it went away, but it must have been there in the background because what was really interesting to me and it stands out so much in my mind and it probably on the other side of the street, like seemed like a nothing was when I jumped from the free program to now I signed up to do the group program. Again, that question list. um, And I think we're, I think she was asking me questions relating to like understanding my neurotransmitters and mindset. Um, One of the questions had to do with, um, I don't remember the exact phrasing, but I know there were like eating disorder or disordered eating was in there. And I remember like having like a moment of like a triggered moment in that. And it really sparked my curiosity because at that point it had been so many years since in my, from my perspective, this had been an issue. And so I downplayed it. I don't remember exactly what I answered. It was like a zero to 10 rating. I might've said like a three or a four. And then I was like, it probably should have been a zero. And then I was like, Oh, she knows. And like, I, and the thing that triggered me about it was not that I was currently suffering with, with the, mental disorder, um, like the intrusive thoughts or like the OCD type thoughts about it. It was, um, or rumination um, would probably be more accurate. But um, what really struck me about it was how my body responded to that question. And then the whole next day, I was like, so obsessed of what is she going to think about me? She's going to think that I have this. I don't have this. This isn't something that I have. And like, I remember texting and like making it such a big deal that I wanted her to know that I'm not currently suffering from an eating disorder, which was so fascinating when you look back on it, because that was such a red flag that I was suffering from one. But when you're on the coaching side of things, like you really are trained to, you know, 
take what your client says at face value. So I don't know what happened on her end of the street with that piece of information. Again, in my mind, I was like kind of manic about it, but I was really good at masking. So I'm not sure if that's what it came across as, or it just came across as like, a, oh, okay, like let's move to the next point. <laughs> okay. 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 That's just so fascinating. So a couple things I want to say. One is that you said you kind of struggled with disorder eating or an eating disorder earlier on, and then it went away for a while. Um, and then kind of it came back. So one thing I just want to point out, which you and I both know now, like when something is present in your past, unless you worked through it, it's not actually gone. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so we both know that now that like, it might appear like, oh, I'm past it because I've, it's just not, it's not there. And like, it's not in my daily life. And, um, I don't think about it very much, but that doesn't mean that you're healed from it. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to come back at some point. And this doesn't mean that it's not affecting you in your current day. You just aren't consciously aware of it. Yeah. Right. Well, and also so, when we talk about the timing of it, um, also, right. Cause I had said that I was put on a whole bunch of medications at the same time. And around that time is when the symptoms started to improve. And when you jump ahead in my storyline, um, I did come off of my antidepressant. And so somewhere, while there was definitely intrusive, like periods of time where the thoughts got worse or the thoughts got better, um, I, that might have had something to do with it. And then I also attribute the fact that once I started working with my practitioner, um, like at the very beginning, because I was cleaning up my diet, I was cleaning up, um, I was working out more. And I was clearing up like butt gut, gut bugs, butt gugs, <laughs> gut bugs. Um, and what I understand now about health and wellness is that we were my, my neuro, like there was neuroinflammation and it was calming down. And because it was calming down and it was no longer being numbed out by the antidepressants and also anti-anxieties that I had been on at, um, for a, a long term, both of those were being taken out of the equation. We were working on other stuff. So the neuroinflammation was calming down, which was what it was. And then like my brain was like, Oh, I feel safe now. Like I feel calmer now. You, she's taking care of me. And I, I really strongly believe. And there was a practitioner on the other end of it too. That was like supporting me. I really strongly believe that the neural pathways were like, Oh, Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Like, how's it going? And it was allowing mm -hmm. me to start to understand and put pieces of the puzzle together. And then it's funny because the putting of the pieces of the puzzle together is sort of what the catalyst to like the explosion of the orthorexia cycle created because as those neural pathways were calming down and I was learning techniques and tools to calm my body down and brain down and nervous system down, um, I like allowed myself to actualize some trauma that I had had in my childhood that like I always kind of like knew I felt uncomfortable or something just felt off. Um, but I just had like this moment of like clarity that I, ex I experienced something very traumatic. And that was like really um, the onset of probably where like I now was fighting to be in control and parts of me were fighting to take over control. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's so helpful. I think for people to hear that explanation of just there's so much that's going on in our brain like all the time and mm -hmm. um yeah like when you kind of you said your neural inf 
inflammation was going down, which allowed different neural pathways to be connected, um, which then can allow like other thoughts or memories to come up. So it's, it's all this cycle. And I think what I'm hearing you say is the difference, um, before, before when you were put on the medications and things like kind of went down, that's kind of an external thing that happened. Like it's kind of a circumstantial, you were given medications and then you felt better. Right. Versus I think the work that you've done now is very much like now, if, if something happens and maybe you're triggered and you, you have certain thoughts, now you have so many tools in your own, like within yourself that you can say, okay, now I'm going to face this. Like, I don't need something external from me to help, to like, help me with this. Yes. I can call friends and yes, I can ask for help. However, having those tools, um, that, you know, how, like you understand what's going on in your brain and you can, um, kind of use what, you know, kind of on your own. It's like a very empowering stance, the way that I'm hearing you describe it. So I don't know if it's empowering to you, but I think it didn't feel empowering at the time, but when I beverage track it, it definitely does feel more empowering. Okay. That's great. Well, you should celebrate yourself because you're awesome. Um, (laughs) Okay. So I want to um, talk for a minute. Like, so with most eating disorders that I've heard of, it's pretty like black and white, right? Like if this has happened, like if, if you're not eating, then that would be anorexia. And again, I'm not a health professional, but this is how I understand it. Um, orthorexia is, seems more vague. It seems more subjective to me just from the definition of, um, an unhealthy focus on eating in a healthy way. So I'm wondering if you had like, like, how did you, you kind of said this is, it's more of like your mindset of how you're approaching food and how you're thinking about it. But also like, it's not very black and white. And I know that there's a lot of people out there now that are eating very special diets or eating in a very specific way or eating restricted. And they would say they're, they're just being healthy. So like, how would you draw the line or like, how do you distinguish? Or when you read through the description, like, what was it that we were like, oh yeah, whoops. Like that's, that's me. Yeah. I do want to backtrack and say that because I just said at the time it didn't feel empowering, but that's actually not true. As it was developing, it felt extremely empowering because to me, Mm. and that was part of the shame in and fear in recognizing that it wasn't actually, I wasn't moved. Like at some point I'd crossed over a line of this is empowering and I'm figuring out ways to take control of my health and life. And I felt like very much in control. And then realizing that at some point I crossed the line to being so in control that it was out of control. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So um, when I realized that it was a problem and I was reading through the checklist. So like when I was reading through the checklist, I, I knew that it was a, there was something going on at, at that point because I was, it started with being kind of anxious that something was wrong that with my body because I was developing um, so many food intolerances really rapidly fast. And it's funny because I remember I kept messaging my coach and like, but I'll be able to eat these again soon, right? I'll be able to eat these again soon. And it was like bananas was a really big one for me because I eat banana. Like I love banana. And then one day all of a sudden, like I couldn't eat banana. And then I'd try again the next day and I like could not eat. I like started to connect that like banana was in a few things and I had a stomachache every time Mm -hmm. I ate that thing. Um, and at some point it just started to cross the line to like, oh, I hope I never have, like can eat that again or like 
um, it, it went from, and then it was like, all I could think about all day long was like, when do I get, I need to work out. Like I need to keep moving. Um, I, um, food shopping just became like, gave me so much anxiety and like, I'd see certain foods or somebody next to me would be eating something with like gluten or, or a banana. And it would give me so much anxiety. And then it became like really isolating. Like I didn't, and I was like afraid of somebody asking me if we could go out to eat. And um, I think one of the culminating moments for me, even though I kind of already on some level knew that this was like a huge issue, was getting to meet my coach for the first time in person. Actually, I had two coaches at the time because they both did the group program together. I'm friends with them now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're friends with them now, which is super cool. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I remember getting to meet her in person and it being so overshadowed by this like um, when you meet someone in person, you go out to eat. And like, I was being equipped with finding the restaurant and I, I spent, she was sitting at the airport when we were talking and then she, I, I was at an event, like a sunflower patch with friends and neighbors. And all I could think about was where are we going to eat? Like, and there was a few things. It was like, where am I going to eat? Because I, I haven't gone out to, to eat. And I didn't know how long at that point. Um, what is she going to think of me and the choice of the restaurant that I pick? And then like the entire time we were sitting there eating, I was so, I don't remember what we were talking about because I was so focused on what the food would be doing, was, was doing to me. Like, I don't even know what I was eating because I was so focused on, on not wanting to be eating it. And also the like war inside of not wanting to seem like a freak because I didn't want to eat it. So then I just like was so focused on, on eating. But like some of the other things was really um, this compulsion to need to be moving and working out at all times during the day. And then um, I was super anal about my supplements and it was just like, it's really the thoughts and not necessarily the behaviors. Like it's really, it's a symptom. Like the whole orthorexia in general, it's it's a symptom of something else going on deeper down. And it's, it's manifesting in this severe need to control everything and literally things becoming fearful, like an irrational or uncomfortable amount of anxiety and fear over things that are just normal day occurrences. Yeah. Okay. That's, that leads in perfectly to my next <laughs> question that I was going to ask. Um, I mean, you, I loved the phrase that you said, like you, you wanted to be in control so much that it was, it it was becoming controlling, like it was starting to control you, like the control part. Um, and you just said it was a symptom, like, you know, all eating, eating disorders, I think you said are just a symptom of something else. So for you is, do you have like a clear connection? Like, um, why, I guess, like why you think you were more prone to eating disorders? Do you think it was like traumatic childhood experiences or, um, do you have like, do you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, this has been really interesting as I'm working with, um, women who have eating disorders and recognizing that there's some things that are similar in all of us. And then there's other things that are a little bit unique to my own personal experiences. Um, One thing that is very similar in all of us is growing up around a mom. If you're listening, mom, I love you. But growing up around a mom who has her own body image issues and constantly hearing them. Um, A lot of these women actually have moms who are are underweight or small. My mom happens to be overweight. um, And she grew up with a mom who was like even was like really overweight. 
Um, so a lot of that was just hearing um, her talking so shamefully about her own body. And then also comments her and her friends would make about other people and just equating, you know, I kind of got like the message of like, in order to get love, I need to be little and small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that combined just with some of my own unique experiences, which I wouldn't have really realized um, was a thing. So there's definitely, there's a genetic disposition to it. Um, Like it can be passed down generationally. And then also, um, I do think that because of that, some of like my childhood experiences and um, one of the things that has come to mind recent, more recently is um, I did grow up once I was about in fifth grade. Um, it came into like more of my awareness that my both my parents were suffering from depression. Um, other family members were suffering from depression. And um, at one point, it kind of got to the point where I'd come home from school and nobody would be around and I was tired or had something happen at school and there was nobody to talk to and just this like I have to figure out how to take care of myself and Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of where it kind of started to like be something I'd play around with like well like what if I like made myself throw up and like to give myself the relief I was looking for like I'd get into like these fits of crying and I like just couldn't get it out and like wanting like feeling hyper hyper ventilating and that never really turned into like a pattern um, but it was something I like played with in a sense. Like in my mm-hmm. mind, it was like not a not a thing because I was like aware of what I was doing in a sense. And then um, also, um, so that came and went. And then when it got really bad was when I was in college. And again, it was right after a few events had happened concurrently at the time. Um, there was like about a year to two year period where a lot of things in my life just were traumatic events individually happening at the same time and again this like and now I'm at college and I'm by myself and my mom and dad were going through a divorce and in my mind they weren't emotionally available for me and they hadn't really been emotionally available for me again in in my mind for several years and again this like oh I have to figure this out on my own Mm -hmm. okay that's like, I mean, I think it's amazing that you've like thought this through, even maybe even if you're doing it. I mean, I've done now, a like, lot of work, a lot of the yeah. work. <laughs> yes, I know. And I want to talk about everything that you've been doing to work through this because it's just so great. But I do want to just point out one thing that you just said. Um, if there is, and again, we're not like making definitive things. I don't know the research, but Carly works with women and many of them are dealing with the same things that she's been dealing with and, or similar things. And if she's seeing a pattern with moms who are talking bad about their bodies or they have shame about their bodies, they're talking with their friends in certain ways. If there are moms listening and you're thinking, oh, my shame towards my body is just my issue. It's not affecting anyone else. I want to just challenge that right now and just realize that people are picking up, (laughs) your kids are going to be picking up on how you feel about your body, um, whether you want them to or not, like they're, I mean, they're just going to see it. So just to put that out there, that if there's a mom out there and you're feeling really shameful about your body, you're like, um, experiencing anything that we're talking about, I would just really challenge you. I feel like a lot of moms are like, well, I can handle this. It's fine. If I feel bad, you know, as long as my kids are fine, you know, we kind of can put ourselves on the back burner. Um, and 
I just want to put this in your awareness that this is also something that your kids will benefit from. If you can get the help that you need and you can work through your own shame towards your body, your kids are going to benefit too. So I just wanted to point that out because you yeah, mentioned that. I, so, another thing is like, they also project their own insecurities onto the, us. So comments about my own body would be made to me and it still has been up until recently. Um, I, I did point out a comment that my mom made to me more recently and she like, it's, it's happening. It's such a natural pattern for them that they don't even realize that they're doing it. And, um, you know, so it's, that's another thing. It's like the constant comments on your child's body as well, whether it's, it's well-intentioned or not, whether it's in your mind, a neutral observation or not. And sometimes to be perfectly honest, it is a criticism and it's really coming from a value statement of like my mom, right? So she made a comment about my thighs and she's done that a few times. And, um, it's just like, it's her own insecurities about her own thighs that she's like transferring onto me. But it's something that wasn't even, wouldn't have been in my awareness to worry about. And then especially when you're making the comment to somebody who is already struggling with like body dysmorphia and, and body image issues. Now that's the only thing I'm I, like, my whole attention has been turned to my thighs. And that's even currently now happening now. She made the comment like a month ago. So yeah, when you're mm -hmm. talking to your kids, it doesn't even matter how young they are they're picking up on a lot of the things that you're saying and um, your observations can very easily be perceived as criticisms. Yeah. And I mean, what we both know is just, you know, perception is projection. So even if they're not trying <laughs> to say some, you know, being critical or something, it's going to come out of their mind if they're thinking of it in their own mind or like the, their words are going to reflect what's going on inside of their head. Um, anyway, so that's like a whole thing we can get into if we want to, but I do <laughs> want to really talk about, I mean, you're like worlds different, I think, than you were when this was all happening. You've gone through like so many things. So I wanted to just kind of give you the opportunity to to share like um since you become aware of this, um, like you read through the orthorexia, you're like, yes, ding ding ding, that's me. Um and you I mean so you made so many choices to to like level up and change and dig deep and like really get to the root of it. And so I wanted to know like what's what's helped, like kind of what have you done? What's helped maybe what hasn't helped? Um, like maybe the role of like community in your in your journey. Um, so just to give an overview of kind of what you've been doing. Yeah. Um, it's so funny because I don't so much of it is such a blur. It's it's like some of it's such a blur and some of it is so super clear. But um, so one of the biggest things was the fact that it got triggered. And I believe this happened exactly how it was supposed to happen. It got triggered when I was working with somebody who became very safe for me. And so at some point I was able to communicate it with her. I don't remember if it was like a black and white form of communication. I do remember saying something along the lines of like um, food is becoming an issue or like food is becoming anxiety. And um, this probably trickled out because it was trickling to my own brain over the course of like several months of finally confiding in her. I don't honestly remember to what extent I was confiding in her about it. Um, but I definitely know that we were having conversations where both of us were aware of something was going on. I don't know if she, how aware she was that it's, this was orthorexia. 
Um, but being able to tell somebody, but what was really interesting is because when I told her, then all of a sudden so much anxiety and protect like protector parts came up that just the thought of, of having a session was triggering me because I didn't want it to come up, but it was funny because I did want it to come up because I want, I knew I wanted to heal from it and I didn't want to heal from it at the same time. Um, so that was probably the first, the first like really big thing was just letting somebody else into like my model of the world and then having a safe space to be able to say like, Hey, I noticed um, something again that stands out because it was such a moment of oh stuff shifting and not in the way I want it to was I had was on summer break for teaching. And then I went back to school and I was like heating up food in the microwave. And all of a sudden, like I got literally, it's like a panic, a feeling of, of sheer panic of like, I don't know whose food's been in this microwave. I don't know what this microwave is doing to my food, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember like messaging her about it. And that was just so different because one, it was weird that I was panicking so much. I've used the microwave the entire last year. I used the microwave at my own house. I never once thought about cross-contamination. And all of a sudden in my mind, like it, bacteria was going to kill me because and whatever so having the safe space to communicate and then also at some point I also got like up to a point where I felt safe enough to tell her that I didn't feel safe communicating about it in a sense like that I was having anxiety just about thinking about communicating about it um we worked together on the subconscious reprogramming so more than likely around the timing of doing that stuff is probably when I started to feel safer talking to her about it um and then so that was the biggest shift was was having the safe space, having the, the person on the other end. And then um, it's funny because then I was, I don't know if I was downplaying it again or not bringing it up or what, um, but I went to level one and I was not going to work on orthorexia. Like that wasn't something I'm, I don't, it's so, I don't really, when I get into like the model of my world, of who I was going to that training, I was already on the other side of everything. Like I had just gone to Mexico and done this like huge, huge um, trip on my own. I had gone through the subconscious reprogramming as a client. I'd signed up for the certifications. And so in my mind, okay, I'm leveling up. I'm going to this, this training that's going to help me level up. And as soon as we walked into the house, well, I mean, it started happening before that, but as soon as we walked into the house um no really I seriously went through like the first and second day like like haha I'm I'm already through all of this stuff suckers like <laughs> and like seeing you guys from like a higher perspective of like oh this is what I was like a few months ago and then some sometime between day two and day three um things just started to like really really quickly spiral and um I'll one of the thoughts so then um Sorry, I'm like going off on a tangent. <laughs> this is it's okay. Um, so one of the things that really struck struck and stuck with me was the concept of first of all, I also so my coach was at that training as an assistant coach. That's how I ended up at that training. So I think there was a few things going on. Like one, she was a safe space for me, but then at the same time, there was this push and pull of she's my safe space, but I don't want her to know because she's my coach and I want her to think that like everything we did together like was so life-changing and it was so life-changing but there was parts of me that were telling me that she can't know that I'm still struggling with with the food stuff and it wasn't just food it was like food extra like I was waking up in the mornings of these like day-long trainings and as like 
the second I woke up, I was like, I have to go on a jog. I have to go on a jog. I have to go on a jog. So I was coming to the house already kind of depleted. Um, and so at some point around day three, one of the stories that one of the people hosting it told um, put me into such a state of um, now what I know looking back on it was a dissociated state, but I didn't know what was happening at the time that I was experiencing it. And that was like a huge sort of wake up call for me. I remember like, like a dog with their tail between their legs. Uh, I ended up being partnered with my coach because I think <laughs> I was kind of just like sitting there and everyone was like partnering up around. This is how I remember it. everyone else was like just partnering up around me. And I was just like sitting there frozen. And I, I, I was like avoiding working with my coach. I don't know why, but I was avoiding working with her. We got paired up together. And I just remember like I could not function or parts of me could not function. And I remember saying something to her and she's like, oh, we should go tell the the people who are hosting the training. I don't, am I saying names on this? <laughs> you can if you want. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, the, I, the, the level one training was with um, Megan and Dr. Alex. So I had Megan on the, on the podcast and we talked about their two day training. Um, and then they also have a seven day training. So we were at the seven day training. That's the the one that you're talking about. And when Carly says the house, the training was in a house. So like we would, we stayed somewhere else in the mornings every day for seven days, we'd go to the, this house, this training house where we would stay for the entire day. So yeah, you can totally, um, it's fine with me if you say names. <laughs> okay. I'll try to short, shorten this to more basic, uh, answers to answer the question more specifically. Um, but, um, so yeah, so I was one of the coach that I'd worked with, cause I think she was also on your podcast and if not, you were on hers is Kyleen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was on Kyleen's podcast. Yep. She was like, an amazing, amazing coach. And, um, so she was assistant coaching, at Megan and Alex's week long training. So at that time I knew Kyleen as, as my coach and practitioner, we had stopped working together in that relationship about a month prior but we were maintaining um, some level of like friendship at that point. And then um, um, I I only knew Megan and Alex through Kyleen. Like I didn't actually, I hadn't worked with them at that point. And so I like slinked over like a little dog with the, with the ta- their tail between their legs. And she had convinced me like, you're only here for the week. And like, at, like you have Megan and Alex who are like, leading this training that I just mm-hmm. paid money to attend. And I was with them live in person. And um, it's so funny because it's like one of those, like, I feel like I don't remember anything from that training. And then all of a sudden, like such specific details start mm-hmm. to come back. But mm-hmm. um, she's like, you're in person with them. Like, like, what is the opportunity that you want to take here? And so again, like, with my tail between my legs. It's so weird because like, these are people that can help me and I didn't want them to to know that I was struggling. Um, but so, yeah, so I went up to them and communicated and that really got the ball rolling. Um, one of the main, it's funny because one of the questions, it's like some of that is a lot of the NLP and subconscious stuff that really got me um, realizing that this is something that I need to work on and I cannot do it alone. And if I continued to do it alone, I was going to get myself into a hole that I could not get out of because I thought that I was already on the other side and I was climbing the mountain. And I just really realized like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm in the pit. Like I'm in the place that I don't want to be in. And so pretending that I'm not there is only digging my hole deeper and deeper. And so um, 
And then one of the things that kept coming up, which is something that I work with on my clients, because is really recognizing that in order for you to get to this place of, uh, of eating disorder, um, there's something going on with your brain chemistry. So being able to have somebody who's like more neutral and in my mind, like higher or like more, um, you know, they know what they're doing. They were hosting a week, week long training in person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Telling me like, telling me, um, this isn't you, like you're not this person. It's not your fault. I don't know if those were the words they were using, but that was the message that I was getting that, that there was something else going on really neutralized the topic where I felt safe now to talk about it. Um, and so that was really, really important. And then, um, following up. So, and then, so really, after that majority of the work was just continuing to to peel back layers and uh most of those layers were not even focused on orthorexia which i think was another huge um player because i remember i quickly signed up now with megan and alex to work one-on-one with them in their next level mentorship program and i came back and i I was texting kyleen because i was realizing like i was having such a fear of of when my first call was going to be with them and it was all wrapped around like I don't want everything to be focused on on having orthorexia. But it's really interesting because a part of me did want it to be focused on that. And I didn't understand that part because I didn't want to get to the layers that were underneath. Mm-hmm. So like so many parts going on. So if anyone is listening and they are like, wait, what's this whole part thing? So like your brain can make these can kind of like build a little wall, like part of you, you know, I give the example, like part of you buys, you buy a gym membership, but you don't go. So <laughs> part of you that wants to, you know, work out and get healthy, um, buys the gym membership, but then the part of you that wants to just rest and thinks that's the best way to be healthy, wants to just stay in bed and you never go. So if you have these, um, either behaviors or thoughts that are kind of competing, that it's like, this doesn't really make sense. Like this, like, I think this, but I also think this, like, that's kind of, you can hear as Carly's talking, you know, she, she, she didn't want them to focus on the orthorexia, but she kind of did, or like, um, she didn't want them to call, but she kind of did. And that's like, you know, that's how as a coach now we both can see this in our clients of, oh, they've got some parts going on. And then we have exercises now that we can um, use to really integrate the parts and make sure that you're able to make decisions from a more whole place, um, kind of, kind of like breaking down those walls. So Carly, a lot of what I hear in your story is like timing was awesome. Like things happened for you, things were brought into your awareness and you took action on them. You were like, even if part of you was like, no, I don't know if we really want that. You were like, yes, I know like my goal is over here and it is healing and well-being. And you like kind of had an idea of, I want to be over there and I want to be through it. Like I want to be up going up the mountain. And then you kind of recognize, oh, but like maybe part of me is still kind of in the pit. So we got to bring that part up. Like we got to bring that part up and heal that part. And so you, you said yes to so many things you could have, you could have, you know, not signed up. You could have not even like admitted to Kylene that you had orthorexia. You could have like just totally said, I don't even want to tell anyone I'm here at the seven day training. However, I don't want to tell them like you, you said yes to a lot of steps along the way. And I think, that is 
what has gotten you so far in your healing journey is just being willing, even if it's uncomfortable. And even if your whole being isn't like fully on board, you you know, this is where I want to be. And this is a step in that direction. And so I'm going to say yes to that. And I think that's really cool. And so if anyone's listening and they're like, yeah, I don't know about this. Like, think about where you want to be. Think about like, what opportunities are being presented to you and what's like one step you can take in that direction. Um, and I mean, so you said you have a safe space, you did the subconscious reprogramming work, um, and continue to do it. So with Megan and Alex and the one-on-one, that's part of what they do. Um, and have you focused on the orthorexia with them or has it been, I think you said you've been doing other, um, yeah, they've, for the most part, follow my lead with it. So I, a lot of it is the first step is really making sure that the client is really safe. And um, there was one session that was done probably around January, February of last year that was directly, it was a parts integration that dealt more directly with it um, that cleared up a huge layer of it. Um, and then that session really more than likely was the catalyst that unlocked the comfortability of doing the, um, about a month or two later, I did a breakthrough session that had gotten two layers of, um, some of the traumatic experiences that I had had in my childhood, um, that before my, um, I had like uncovered some of those layers. Um, I did like a, a layer of that with Kylene. And then I did, um, I'm pretty sure I went I'd like duck into that memory like once in a while and be like, oh yeah, there's the resources here for when I'm ready to get here, like, and then duck out of it. Mm -hmm. And so it was really the very first time that um, I was able to like almost a year later from when I realized that there was trauma here, um, was able to actually get in and access like very visually, very um, somatically what was happening. And um, that was like really powerful. also really intriguing. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think anyone listening can hear, like, there are layers to this, right? Like everyone has layers. And so I, I give like this metaphor, um, in some of the podcast episodes and in a training that I have, just like, if you, if you're living in a house and you start to see cracks on the wall, mm-hmm. um, you can, if you see one crack, it's like, oh, it's just, uh, I don't know, the, the house shifted. There's a little craft, crack, whatever. If you start to see lots of cracks and the doors stop working and the windows stop closing and opening how they're supposed to, you, you can ignore them, sure, <clears throat> and just like work around them. Or you can like ask for some help and be like, I'm not sure what's happening. The house didn't used to have cracks and now there's lots of cracks. And someone comes in and they're like, oh, you have a foundation issue. We can fix this. So in this metaphor of like the house with cracks, the cracks are like the things that are happening in our day-to-day lives. That's kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. So for you, I mean, at the very beginning of your story, it can be like, oh, um, I noticed that like sugar doesn't do well with, and like, like I do better with, without adding extra sugar to my food or, oh, my stomach hurts. Like these are all cracks. They're like invitations for you to kind of figure out 
what was going on underneath that? And you have had this journey of it started back then, or even maybe sooner. And you, you kept kind of saying, yeah, I want to see like that action of saying yes. Like, yes, I want to know what's going on under here is the common theme that I see um, in your story of saying, yes, I want to see what's this one, what's this one. And you've been able to go so deep in your healing. So now you're at this point where you're, you're healing like these, um, childhood trauma situations where the the very beginning, you didn't know that's where it would end. I'm sure it was more like, no, my stomach hurts. Like I really want some help with my stomach. Right. And so anyone listening out there, that's like, oh yeah, I have some health issues, but you know, it's fine. And, oh, I have some trauma in my past. It's, it's fine. Like, I really want you to start connecting the dots that like, there is a relationship here between traumatic events in your life and then physical health. Um, and so Carly people, you are now an FDN. So functional diagnostic nutritionist. Um, so you help, you're able to run functional labs. You're able to see just like help people with like the physical health. Um, so I'm wondering if someone comes to you with like, Oh, my stomach hurts. Like what would be the process that you would take someone through and maybe, maybe they're like you, maybe they're like, oh, you know, I kind of maybe had some eating disorder problems in my past, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not dealing with that anymore. Um, like, how would you just like, give us a few things? Like I would run this mm-hmm. lab and then we would talk about this. Like if you, if kind of Carly before, you know, when you went to Kylene, like, how would you help you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd say it's way easier when the client comes to you and tells you and is upfront and honest about the fact that they are or have struggled with an eating disorder. So that's been a very eye-opening thing. And again, it's like there's no shame on if you're not ready to communicate with it. But what I've noticed, and I've heard this said from other coaches, that is you tend to get clients who are a little bit, who move a little bit faster through their journey than you moved through yours. And so with each succession, it's faster and faster. So most of the clients that I've had that I've worked directly with on eating disorders are coming to me because of the eating disorder. Um, it's definitely made me, um, there's, there's really nothing different that I would do because one of the, also one of the things I really had to, to understand very deeply is that I cannot cause somebody to have an eating disorder. And that was something that like, I, I think that was another thing that I was like protecting my coaches because I, um, from telling them what was going on, because I didn't want them to think that they caused it, which mm-hmm. is just a cyclical thought that's irrational, but it felt super rational in my mind at the time. So keeping that top of mind that I cannot cause an eating disorder in somebody, there's a predisposition for it. And also at the same time, a huge part of it is learning more about balancing and that it's not we're not going to go in and you're not going to completely change your diet overnight. That's just not how it's going to work. It's going to be slow phases. It's um, if you're looking for a practitioner who's going to tell you to follow, follow this diet plan and do X, Y, and Z, like that's not me. It's, it's more you building a relationship with yourself, with your food, with exercise. And a lot of it is, is that internal safety piece. Like until you are safe in your own body and safe enough to, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's slow. It's, it's, it's slow and steady, which is really hard for me because I like to go really fast, <laughs> but and it, so it's, it's, it's slow steps in the right direction. Yep. 
with massive action too. I mean, there is stuff that goes really fast as well, but when you really backwards track it, um, it's, it's that slow, slow forward movement that allows you to go fast. Yeah. Okay. So two, uh, you asked about the two paddles that I run. Um, okay. So I do mm -hmm. have clients that we don't do any functional health labs. Um, some of them have come in where they've done all the protocols, they've done all the things. And so it's been really interesting helping them to connect the dots of how that is a symptom as well of what's going on. And so we, we do the opposite where we kind of back them out, um, from like ease them out of the protocols that they're on. Um, but if somebody was coming into me and they hadn't done any of the functional health stuff and they're like fresh and brand new, um, the two panels that are my foundational labs to run is a GI map, which gets um, overall understanding of what's going on in your gut microbiome. And then there's a few other markers on there that gives a little bit of peek at like your liver health and um, inflammation. And then the other one is the neurotransmitter panel. And the neurotransmitter panel, I find really, really important because again, in order for there to be disordered eating or any type of compulsive thoughts, there's going to be an imbalance happening in, um, in the neurotransmitters. And that was just such a, a big piece for me that kept me able to zoom out. Like, this isn't me. This is just something that's happening within my brain at, at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Which is so powerful. It's, it's kind of like a loop, right? Like a, <laughs> your, your gut impacts your neurotransmitters, your neurotransmitters are going to impact like your mental health. And then it's kind of like a loop, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. all, it's all connected, right? That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Um, and so most health practitioners, so doctors, or even like a lot of health coaches, um, even some functional medicine people will just address like the physical symptoms, right? You'll come in, you say, oh, this is happening. They'll run a lab and then they'll give you some supplements or some pills or whatever. Um, and what I love that Carly's including in her coaching is that she's addressing like the mental health and like the mindset and the like everything underneath, right? Like the, the actual root, you know, functional, functional medicine often says like, we get to the root cause of what's happening. And, and I love functional medicine because it really looks at your body as a whole and like, how is everything interacting with each other? Um, but there's another component, right? Like, so Carly's working on like, what are the beliefs that are underneath all of this? And like, what's actually going on underneath this? And I love that Carly can go kind of as slow as you need to go. She can go fast if you're ready to go fast. And one thing about like this healing journey is that our our brain is only ever going to present things that are ready to be healed. Like it's not going to open the floodgate. Once you hire a coach, it's not going to all of a sudden be like, whoa, I can't handle this. You're only ever going to be exposed, like remember things or things will be brought to the surface, things that are ready to be healed. So your body's got you. So your brain's got you. It's only like, as you can hear on Carly's journey, her brain was kind of like dripping things out a little bit at a time, like, Oh, time to work on this. Oh, time to work on this time to work on this in the perfect time in the perfect moment when she had people around her that were a safe space for her. Um, so if someone's listening and has like, some health stuff going on. Maybe they're trying to lose weight or maybe they have a health condition. The doctors told them they'd be stuck with forever. Maybe they're juggling, like struggling with something, some sort of disordered eating. What would you Carly say to them? 
um, like how, how would they know that they need to reach out for support? And like, how would they know that you would be a good person to reach out to? Um, like what, what would you want to say to them? Um, I'd first want them to know that they're not their behaviors. They're not their thoughts. That's something that was reiterated to me. Um, and it was just so impactful to realize like, those are again, just symptoms of layers underneath. Um, and a lot of the medical model will sort of shame for an eating disorder. And they'll look at that as the problem. And really, um, if you are suffering from an eating disorder, one way to be really heightenedly aware of it is your thought patterns. So it's not just the, I'm going to eat clean and I like this lifestyle and this is just a part of who I am. It's really the all consuming thoughts around it. Um, and then also it's, um, so, and then the eating disorder is actually a symptom. That was something that was like a huge aha moment. It might've been told to me, but sometimes you don't know things until you know it on your own. Mm -hmm. When you're again, when your brain's ready to understand and recognize it. And so if you're suffering from an eating disorder or disordered thoughts, it is, it is serving a purpose for you right now. It's, there is some sort of secondary gain. And for me, what I really realized is the secondary gain was it was um, as painful as it was, it was numbing me out from being from um, confronting what was going on underneath until I had the tools and resources and the safety within my body to be able to get to those layers underneath. And so um, for some people, those layers underneath are, are not as deep as they feel. And for other people, they are. So there's, it really depends on where you're coming in, in at, and the client guides the journey. So it is, it is um, me as a practitioner holds that over that viewpoint, like that 360, whatever view, mm -hmm. um, zoomed out view. Um, I, I notice the patterns and the behaviors and it is up to the client to guide their own journey. And that's not to say like, you have to come in and you have to tell me all these things, but it's by me noticing your patterns, noticing what you're, what you're working through. Like, I, I can't force you to, you, the layers reveal themselves to you naturally through the process of the subconscious reprogramming, naturally through the healing. So um, yeah, so it's just one of those, like whatever you're ready to work on is what gets worked on. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. Um, cause I think sometimes people might think, oh, I have like the client guides the journey. I have to come in and like, tell her what I like, isn't that her job? So I think it's really beautiful how like with the subconscious reprogramming work, the client is guiding the journey and the coach is picking up on what they're seeing. And I mean, the coach is, is it's kind of just like coming alongside and supporting you and giving you the tools and the resources that you need as you're working through it. And if the client says, I'm not like, this isn't something I'm prepared for, then yeah, you can like go a different direction. So I think Carly's awesome. I mean, she's my friend. <laughs> she's helped me. And um, we're both trained. We've done level one and level two together, the both seven day trainings. And, um, and those were from Megan and, and Dr. Alex of Zesty. And Carly also has this FDN certification, which I just think it's a really cool pairing there. So Carly, if someone is out there and they're like, oh my gosh, I need to work with Carly, which, you know, <laughs> who wouldn't want to work with Carly? She's awesome. Where would they connect with you? Where would they find you? Um, how would you want that to happen? 
Um, right now, everything's coming in through Instagram. So it'd be at Carly in focus on Instagram. Wonderful. And as we're wrapping up, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted me to ask you or anything that you want to say now to people who are listening to this, who are maybe just, I don't know, maybe they have someone in their life with orthorexia. Maybe they have orthorexia. Maybe they don't have any sort of disordered eating, but they just really want to level up. Like what would you, any oh, final yes. words? Um, I am, It's just so fun. It's, it sounds so crazy, but so you get to choose as the client, like how deep you want to go and how high you want to reach. And I'm just really learning that the deeper I go, the higher I get to reach at the other end of it. And my entire life has just changed within the course of, of a year, year and a half. So um, I work with all, all, all people, right. But it's so fun to work with the people who like to go really deep and really high. <laughs> so Yes, very fun. Like it you is just fun. Need to trust, it is fun. You need to trust the process. It's so important. And if you're being drawn to going in deeper, um, trust that you can trust your practitioners and you can trust yourself to understand your own boundaries and your own limits. And then you get tools and resources to be able to communicate when they feel uncomfortable. And that's also a really interesting part is learning what it feels like to be uncomfortable and it, and come out the other side of it. I know that at the end of the day, you have your own back. Yes. So lesson from Carly is like, just the question is, what if you just said yes, like to that part inside of you, that's like, I want to level up. Like, I want that. I want to heal. I want to do all this. I want to heal the deep layers. What if you said yes to that part, right? What if, even if your whole being isn't like (laughs) totally on board with this, what if you said yes to the part that was, and what would that next step be? today for you to take. Hey, look at you go. You made it all the way to the end of the episode. That is something to celebrate. Do you know how many people don't finish the things they start? If you liked this episode and want to support me and my mission to help people find purpose, heal their past and get results, share the love. It would be amazing if you would leave a rating and review or take a screenshot and share it on social media. And if you're ready to dig deep, do the work and get results, head on over to redeemingrootscoaching.com to join the email list and book a discovery call to see if working together would be a good fit. Thank you so much for listening today. See you next time.